Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we talk to the world's most creative people. I'm your faithful, trusty, loyal, tireless host, Sourdough, coming at you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. So today we have another auditorial for you. I'm going to get on my soapbox and talk about time and the value and meaning of it. So stay tuned because deep wisdoms are coming your way. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We do this for you. And I really appreciate you guys showing up. Thanks so much for listening. Of course, always go to notrealart.com and check out all the good, healthy stuff for you. We're always talking about amazing artists and their art on the blog. Great place to discover new talent. Also, we've got really good stuff for artists and art lovers just generally. So go check it out. What else? Oh, yeah, right. Like and share this episode. Make a comment. Helps the uh, algorithm gods uh, shine their lights on us in a positive way. So we appreciate all the help we can get. Of course, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Okay. Auditorial. This is my new series where I get on the soapbox on my soapbox and proclaim a message, an idea, an argument, uh, and try to share my thoughts in a way that resonates and is of interest to you. So today we're talking about time. Yeah. 24-7-365. It is 5.15 p.m. in the evening right now uh, in terms of time. But that's a man-made measure, isn't it? Time is relative and time is sort of a mystery because if you leave civilization, for example, and you're living in the outback alone, for example, time is irrelevant. It's sunrise, it's sunset. That's all it is. And I speak from personal experience because when I was 20 years old, I lived in the wilderness for a year, like Grizzly Adams. Actually, it was 10 months. But in 1991, I lived just south of the Arctic Circle, and the nearest town was 120 miles away. And time was irrelevant. Didn't matter if it was two o'clock or 5.15 in the evening. All that mattered was the sun was up or the sun was down. And if I was tired, I slept. If I was hungry, I ate. 
And time as we know it in civilization was just irrelevant when I was living out in the bush and the outback in the wilderness. And I remember in particular one day when we were kind of haphazardly keeping a calendar, ticking off the dates. And sometimes we'd be better about ticking off the dates than others. And what would happen is, you know, we'd realize that three or four days had gone by and we had not ticked the calendar. And so we would sit down and say, oh, right. Has it been three sunsets or four sunsets? Oh, okay. Yeah, we think it's been three sunsets. So we were probably mostly right about that. I'm guessing we were missing a few days here and there. But the truth of the matter is we missed a lot of holidays. It was interesting. I'll never forget when we sat down to tick off some dates in April. And again, we were in the wilderness 120 miles away from the nearest town. By the way, there was no electricity, no plumbing, no communications. We had no mail. Um, we were completely remote, completely isolated from any sense of holidays or calendars or times or any civilized events or culture. And so we were just out there living in our little cabin like Grizzly Adams. And it's a true story. It's a true story. Books were written about this, by the way. We, were, we, we made the national news on this one <laughs> at the time. And someday, maybe I'll tell you the whole story, but I'll never forget this particular week where we sat down to tick off some days off the calendar. And in so doing, we realized we had totally missed Easter. Easter had passed. It'd been like three days and we didn't even realize it until we sat down and ticked the calendar. And I'll never forget what an impression that made on I me, mean, because of course, if we were living in civilization, if we were living in the city or the town or somewhere back home, of course we would have known it was Easter. We would have seen the propaganda, the pageantry, the Easter bunnies, the church signs. There's no way in heck we would have missed Easter had we been living in the city, but we weren't. We were living in the country. And time was irrelevant in terms of how we measure it here on a clock with 24 hours and seven days on the calendar. For us in the bush, it was just sunrise and sunset, sunrise and sunset sunrise and sunset. And we really managed our actions and our choices and our activities based on how we were feeling. Were we hungry? Were we tired? Based on chores. Did we have enough firewood? Do we have enough water? And what was the weather? Was it cold? Was it sunny? Was it warm? Did we want to swim or was it too cold and we needed to stay in the cabin and stoke the fire and get firewood because it was 40 below zero? And yes, it was 40 below zero many times, many days, many nights. So, you know, I was 20 years old and this was my first kind of up close and personal experience, I guess, around the relativity of time and the sort of arbitrary subjective measures that man puts on it. And it's impacted me for so many years, my whole life, actually. And we did a lot of reading, you know, when we were there, you know, we took a ton of books and I think I read over a hundred books that year. And I remember reading a quote, I believe it was from Henry David Thoreau. And he said, only a fool sold more of his time than he had to. And that just always stuck with me because spiritually speaking, yes, our time is precious. Our time is priceless. In fact, you can't put a price on your time. In fact, spiritually, right? Because we only have so many years on this planet. We have only have so many days to live on this planet. And so from a spiritual perspective, Time is priceless and is precious, and we need to honor it and guard it. It's sacred, right? We shouldn't waste it. And so this notion, the preciousness and the sacredness of time, I think really has kind of guided my life in many ways. Of course, I'm an old dude now, 52, but 
over the last 32 years, these notions, these ideas of the preciousness of time has always guided me and made a huge impression on me. And when you're in the city and civilization, time is measured differently. When you're living in the bush like that, your life is more about immediate needs and let's chop wood, carry water, right? It's very fundamental. Your time is spent feeding and staying warm and, and getting rest. Whereas in the city, you know, in civilization, right, we work to sell our time to make money to pay our bills, right, to buy food. And it's just a different culture. It's a different set of priorities. And we've designed a culture whereby we think that we should sell our time to the highest bidder. And, you know, maybe we should. Certainly, we want to make money to pay bills and have a good life. You know, some people want more money than others. And to each their own, maybe that's a, also a sign of spiritual conditioning, you know, perhaps more evolved people need less money, perhaps less evolved people need more money. I don't know. Interesting philosophical debate. But for me, coming back to civilization and all the pressure to sell one's time to the highest bidder to pay bills, and oh, by the way, you go in debt, buy shit you can't afford, and then you got to work more and pay more. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And by the way, our whole economy is built on us extending ourselves beyond what we can afford and then have to work that much more to pay for it. And so it's a fascinating thing. And, and so for me, I've always tried to reconcile this notion of like my time being priceless from a spiritual perspective, but also the practical reality that I need to sell my time to pay my bills. And therefore, of course, I don't want to sell all my time. I want to only sell as much time as I need to, to maximize my income so that I have free time. We talk about return on investment and what about return on time? What are we doing to get time back? And how do we make choices? How do we invest our limited resources of time and treasure and talent to actually get time back to maybe perhaps make more art or be with our families or be with our friends or go for a walk on the beach, do something we love. And it's a fascinating thing. I've always been fascinated at the choices people make in terms of how they spend their time. I would judge and say that it strikes me that a lot of people, including myself, waste way too much time. How much time do I spend scrolling on my phone? Jesus Christ. We're like zombies plugged into the network, aren't we? Just scrolling and scrolling. I'll catch myself, realize I spent 15 minutes scrolling and bullshit. I've just wasted 15 minutes of my life, sometimes more, right? And to me, you know, if you want to put it in spiritual terms, if there's a sin to be made, I think it's wasting your time. It's wasting time because time is sacred and we shouldn't waste it. So we live in civilization. And I think that, you know, coming back to civilization, I was reminded of that quote, only a fool sold more of his time than he had to. So you try to minimize your overhead and build so you don't have to work so much. But of course, you know, maybe you want a nice car, you want a nice house, you know, we do, you're going to carry some debt, but how do you invest your, your time, treasure and talent in a way to maximize what your time is worth so that it, you can maybe if you sell an hour, you get three hours back right? Wouldn't that be cool to be able to make you know, enough money in an hour that you get three hours back? Return on time. What is your return on time in a given investment, a given effort endeavor? And by the way, like this is an interesting metric or filter to think about whether or not you take on a project, right? I mean, is this project giving me time back or is it taking time away? 
And how do I want to spend my time? Because my time is precious and sacred. And I think we all chase rabbits. We all chase shiny new things. We all have hope that the future is bright and you know that one project is going to be the silver bullet that solves all of our problems, or there's going to be some new technology that's going to be the silver bullet to make us rich. Hello, NFTs. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so thinking about the choices you make and the work and the projects you take on in terms of what it requires in terms of your time and energy and talent, and is it worth it in the end? Well, you never really know, but I think one of the ways of helping to measure and gauge is, okay, what is this going to do for my time? Am I getting time back from this or is this going to take more time away? And if I'm getting paid X, well, then I'm only willing to give Y hours. And how do I work within those constraints so that I'm not losing not just money, but my time, right? And I guess I just always have been pondering that. For me, that's always been a thing. And, you know, and, and, and reality is, you know, I've been through my whole life sort of just take on projects that I think are cool and are interesting and give me joy and creative satisfaction and something I'm passionate about. Sure, I've had projects and work and jobs, bosses that I hated. <laughs> we all do. But the goal really, right, is to follow our bliss and make those choices that, you know, give us joy and passion and you know, that we're passionate about. In the old saying about you never work a day in a life when you do what you love, when you're getting paid for doing what you love, it's not work at all, right? And so that's the kind of trick. Like, how do you make choices that allow you to reposition your time and sell your time in a way that it's exponential? The satisfaction, the return that you're getting is exponential. You're not just getting a return on money and that you're making more money, but that you're making more time. How's that for metaphysics? How's that for philosophy? I think we need to be way more thoughtful and considered and disciplined and rigorous about how we use our time and the choices we make and who we give our time to. Man, people are always trying to take our time. And how do we say no? We got to protect it, man. People suck it away. The world will suck your time away. It wants your time. So who do you want to give it to? Who is worthy and deserving of your precious, sacred, priceless time? And I feel bad for people who were going to look up on their deathbed, for, not to be too dramatic about it, but begin with the end in mind. The end, people, is death. So on your deathbed, are you going to look back and realize that you used your time wisely and that you are grateful for how you spent your time? Or are you going to look back and realize you squandered a lot of time and you didn't make that art or you didn't tell somebody you love them or you didn't pursue that passion or that interest. You know, one thing's for sure, on my deathbed, I know I'm not going to wish I worked more. <laughs> I know I'm not going to wish I took that one, one last meeting. No, I'm going to wonder, did I spend enough time with the people I love doing the things I love? And time is precious. We have to guard it. We have to be, be disciplined and rigorous and say no, no, no to the people, places, and things that want to suck our time away because it is our sacred, precious priceless resource. It is a limited, most precious limited resource we have. Sure, water is precious and limited, but water will outlive us. Our time on this earth, average life expectancy is 77 years or something now, I guess. So time is our most precious resource. And using it wisely is so important. And only you can decide. I'm not trying to imply that I have the answers for you. I'm just saying you have the answers and you have to embrace 
and protect your, well, you have to embrace your responsibility to protect your time because so many people want it and are going to try to get it from you and take it from you. And it's insidious. It's insidious. I mean, I, you know, go back to the scrolling on the phone. I mean, you, you, you lose so much time and you don't even realize I do that all the time. I kick myself. I hate when I do that. I realize, shit, I've just wasted 20 minutes. But work and projects and clients, they expect us to deliver things on time and hopefully under budget. And by the way, we should always want to deliver things under budget because that helps us make more money. But work, clients, projects, I mean, this is something to measure in terms of how we use our time. And (laughs) I got a very funny thing happened to me early in my career. I right out of high school, got a job as a production assistant at a publishing company, and it was a small press publishing company. We published about 20 books a year, and I was an 18-year-old kid, excited about working at a publishing company, and man, oh man, did I think I was something special. I, I was so grateful for this job. I thought it was so cool, and I was so lucky to have it, and I was going to college full-time. I was working full-time at this company, but because it was a publishing company and everything was deadline-driven, the company thought it would be smart to send me to a time management seminar. So the office manager, whose name I will not mention because (laughs) she's still around and, and she knows who she is, but she, because the boss told her, booked my hotel. It was outside Chicago in Oak Brook, Illinois, this time management seminar. And told me to go, you know, check into the hotel, spend the night. I'd go to the conference that next day and learn about managing time. Boy, was I excited. Man, I thought this was cool. In fact, I thought, I'm going to take my girlfriend. We got a hotel room. (laughs) We can have a nice dinner, make it a romantic night, and then I'll get up in the morning. I'll go to my time management seminar. And that's exactly what we did. My girlfriend and I drove to Oak Brook, Illinois. We check into the Marriott there and have our nice dinner, have our nice romantic night. And the next morning I wake up, put on my little khakis with my blue shirt and my tie. And I go down to the conference area where there are many conferences happening and people rushing around to get to their seminars and conferences. And there was an information desk and I walk up to the information desk and I ask the woman there, ma'am, can you help me? I'm here for the time management seminar. Will you please tell me where the time management seminar is? And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, sir, the time management seminar was yesterday. (laughs) The time management seminar was yesterday. I just looked at her in the eyes and said, thank you very much. I turned around (laughs) and walked away with my tail between my legs and man, did I feel like an idiot. In my defense, of course, I only showed up because I was told to show up, and ultimately it was our office manager's problem because she was the one that booked everything and told me to show up. But how funny is that, right? So much was wasted because people got careless with time, their time, things weren't read right, things weren't comprehended correctly, people were rushing around, and we make mistakes, we get sloppy. And lo and behold, we miss the time management seminar in a process and we waste money and so on and so forth. And I went back to the office. I told the story, the boss who I thought would be, well, he was super annoyed with my, with the office manager, but everybody had a laugh. And in fact, one of the owners of the company who was there at the time said, oh, don't worry, kid. One time in high school, I was asked to take a friend of the family to prom. 
because she didn't have a date. And I was so excited. She was really cute. And I showed up to pick her up for prom and I was a week early. (laughs) Right. And so it happens to all of us, right? We all get sloppy in time management. We all let our feelings, emotions, anxieties, stresses, make silly, stupid mistakes and squander precious resources of time, treasure and talent as a result. And it's precious. It's priceless, our time. And listen, when it comes to business, of course, you can't look a client or gallery in the eye and say, this painting is $100,000 because I think it's worth $100,000. I mean, you could do that, but if the market will only pay $10,000 for it, you're not going to get the $100,000. So when it comes to pricing your time and valuing your time from a practical business perspective, yes, there are real constraints in terms of how you price your time and how you price your work. I mean, you can only charge what the market will bear. The market will not overpay and it's always looking for a bargain. So you have to be super realistic and humble and honest and practical when it comes to trying to sell your time because at the end of the day, it's a competitive marketplace and times are tough. Inflation is up. The economy's tough for many people. So You've got to be mindful of all that stuff when you're trying to price your time, sell your time, sell your expertise, sell your art. So we have to be sensitive, right, in terms of pricing and what our time might be worth at any given point in any given market. Because by the way, your time might be worth X in Ohio, but might be worth Y in California, right? So there's those realities as well. But these are practical business realities, certainly from a spiritual perspective, Our time is precious and priceless, and we need to protect it and accept responsibility for protecting our time because no one else is going to do it. So accept us, right? So remember, only a fool sold more of his time than he had to. Always be thoughtful and discerning about who you say yes to, and don't be afraid to say no to protect your time because we've only got so much of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.